Well, hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am excited about this one. I am Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com. Hey, Michael Wilson. Hey, Rod S. Hey, Bam Aquatics. Um, and I am super excited about tonight because tonight I get to tell you about all the awesome fish that not that I'm getting, but that I got. So they're here. Um, and I couldn't be happier. It literally took a year. It took 12 months to get these fish here, but they're awesome. It was totally worth it. There's, I'm going to tell you guys tonight about, uh, the import experience, about the fish I got and, uh, about the last couple of days going to the airport and dealing with customs and fish and wildlife and, and all that stuff that you usually don't hear about. I think, um, the back end of that. So also about, um, you know, managing an import to control losses and, and how you handle fish when they're going down in a bag, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I'm excited. I'm really excited for tonight. Hey, um, let's see who else is here. Wichita, welcome. Glad you made it. Craig. Hey, Craig. Fish guru, Thomas. Glad you're here. Ron. Ron Michael. Hey, Ringatui. Hey, hey. So while people are coming in, just a brief, brief recap before we get started talking about the fish that I got and uh, the experience of getting them here uh, in the last couple of days is, for those that don't know, I've been working on getting a shipment in from Nigeria for about a year. And the reason is, is I'm a killifish nut. I've been a killifish geek for over 25 years. Um, I started in junior high. And there are a lot of killifish that I've only seen in pictures. And I found a guy in Nigeria that will collect and export a lot of these fish that I've never seen in person. A lot of the lamp eye, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of the lamp eyes um, and other fish like that. So this was about a year ago when I, uh, you know, figured that I could get this done. And so I pulled the trigger and went to do it. And it was awesome. And then ran into a bunch of issues and it took a year but they're here now. So that's why I'm so excited about tonight. Um, all right. Wichita says, Dan, did you pick up some green dragons from Greg? I didn't. Um, but I saw his green dragons and they're pretty awesome. They're pretty spectacular. Uh, his fish room is amazing. His fish look great. That guy knows his stuff and he's a really cool dude. So I've, I've corresponded with Greg a lot, but I've never met him in person. And he was kind enough to invite me over and into his home and showed me around. Uh, Greg Sage, for those that might not know, runs Select Aquatics. You can find him at selectaquatics.com, I believe. It's a .com, not like a .net or something. And uh, he mostly does live bears, a lot of really rare stuff. You usually won't see a lot of good deeds, a lot of species that he might be the only one keeping in any quantity. And, and some of them are extinct and uh, endangered in the wild, some of the populations he has. So it was pretty special to go see Greg. But nope, didn't get any uh, green dragons from Greg. Hey, Carbon Rill, glad you're here. Andy Girone, thank you for coming, Andy. Um, I did get my first plecos, though, while I was on the trip. And I'll, I'll tell you about those later. But for now, let's get into Nigeria. So... Um, let's see where to start. There's so much. So let me just kind of take you through, I guess, the process. What happens 
um, when you're getting fish. So the first thing is, is there's a bunch of paperwork you have to get and you have to file that with Fish and Wildlife uh, a few days before the shipment comes in. And that was nerve wracking because my contact in Nigeria didn't have all the paperwork I needed and wasn't able to get some of it. So I had to go back and forth between the, the Fish and Wildlife inspector and him and make sure that we could work it out even though he didn't have some of the stuff that they needed just because they do things differently there and stuff like that. But we got that all worked out. So the day before um, I left, it seemed like it was all worked out. The morning I left, I called and she was, the fish and wildlife inspector was like, yep, come on down, we're, we're good to go. This looks like this can happen. So it's like, okay, good. Cause they're in the air, they're on the way. So glad to hear that. So <clears throat> I went down there and um, it's a long drive. It's a six hour drive from my house in Sheridan, Wyoming to Denver. And it was, I was scheduled to meet with Priscilla MKR, see her fish room and, and see her stuff. Um, and then go to select aquatics, Greg Sage, and then go to mile high plecos, go to my Airbnb and sleep and then pick up the fish the next day. But it was snowing on my way down. And it wasn't really icy yet. The snow was too fresh for it to be super icy on the roads. But um, but visibility was really bad. So it took an extra, I think, two hours to get to Denver. And so I missed my, uh, my time slot with Priscilla. I, I got to see her stuff later. I'll tell you about that. But I missed my time slot with Priscilla. Went to Greg's, was on time for that. Went to Mile High Plecos after, and Priscilla came to that because she and, and Mile High are good friends. So uh, I was able to see all Mile High stuff, which is pretty cool. And um, I got my first Plecos from him. I got, um, I think it's L, is it 182s, the Starry Nights, while I was there. Um, and so that was a great fun day. The next day, I got up. Uh, Went to the airport kind of immediately just to make sure I could get there and make sure everything was in order before the fish arrived. And here's what happens when you pick up an order of live animals at an airport. So um, mine came in Delta. So I went to Delta Air Cargo, which, you know, these things aren't labeled well. <laughs> they aren't exactly the retail business. So they aren't, you know, out there and visible and all that. So I found them, went there. Um, pay for the shipment just to get that out of the way because everyone takes their fee, right? There's, there's so many organizations and companies that have their hands in this and they all take a fee. So went to Delta, <clears throat> paid their fee, um, went and got some food and then kept tracking when the, uh, shipment was going to land. When I was pretty sure when it would land, I called the wildlife inspector, the fish and game inspector, who by the way is wonderful. She gave me her cell phone number. She uh, helped me when I had questions. You know, she she was awesome. I, I really want to give her a thank you. Um, and anyway, told her, okay, it's going to land at this time. She was off dealing with like some falcons, like someone breeds falcons and was shipping them. And um, so she timed that so she could come check in the fish. And we had an approximate time when they would come in. They came in at about 1.20 p.m. Uh, yesterday. And so they came in. We, uh, she went into the secure area and did the inspection. I, I'm not allowed to go see that. 
Um, and then she cleared the inspection. So that's good. I didn't have any, you know, CITES species or anything like that. So then I took the paperwork she gave me, you go to customs and then you clear another inspection. So there's these two like major government bureaucracies like staring at you, you know, checking your stuff. And um, luckily everything was in order. So they cleared me. Um, for those that want to see some pictures of that stuff, it's on Facebook, on the Dan's Fish Facebook. I have some pictures of some of this stuff. I didn't take a lot of pictures. It was really busy, but I took some. So then you have to take that back to Delta Cargo, and then they can release the shipment once Fish and Wildlife has checked it and Customs has cleared it. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm really tired. You'll know why in a sec when I tell you the rest of the story. Super tired, and I've kind of run uh, to the edge of my endurance for the last couple weeks or so, so I think I'm getting a little bit sick. But So sorry if I'm a little bit out of it today. Anyway, went back, got the fish, and put them in the minivan I rented because minivans are sexy. No, it's because I, I didn't know if I could fit all the fish in my Honda Accord, if they would fit. So I rented a van for the trip, put them in there, and then I drove to Priscilla MK Art's house. And Priscilla, is she here? Oh, she is. Hey, Priscilla. Um, um, so I want to thank Priscilla so much because she said, if you need anything, I'm here. Um, she sent me a text earlier in the day and she's like, Hey, I've got five gallon buckets with, uh, Seachem safe in them. They're all ready in case you need to do water changes on these fish or anything. I mean, she and, and mile high plecos were there for me. So I, I didn't feel totally alone. Um, and it was great. So anyway, I drove right to Priscilla's after I picked them up and we inspected them at Priscilla's house. And most of the bags were pretty good, but there were three or four where fish had started dying. The water was getting really cloudy. It was, it was just gross. And I knew that those fish wouldn't make it home. And so Priscilla was nice enough to let me use her fish room and change the water in all the bags before I headed up for my drive back to Sheridan. So um, by the time the shipment got cleared and everything, it was 3, 3.30ish, got to Priscilla's about 4.30, I think, started rebagging fish. And um, that took until, when did I finally get out of there? I don't know, it was dark and cold by the time I left. It was pretty late, grabbed some food, and I finally started driving towards home at about 8.45 p.m. yesterday. Um, after we changed the water in the bags. Now, the first three bags or so, we kind of did them in order of severity. So we were like, which fish are the worst off? We'll start with those and get them out of the dirty water, right? And you'd open the bags and you could smell the ammonia in, in some of the bags that, did, uh, that were the worst off. It was pretty strong. Later, it was fine in the cleaner bags. But what happens in these bags is there's a lot of fish in a bag that's how the exporters do it, unfortunately. And if one fish in that bag dies, then it starts to decay. And so ammonia spikes from the decay, and then another fish will die from that. And pretty soon, you've got this spiral of ammonia going on in the bag. So um, there were a few species, I think three, 
where that had started happening. So luckily I was able to go to Priscilla's. Again, thank you so much, Priscilla. And to your family too, for letting me crash the party. Um, and uh, got them out of that stuff. So it was pretty discouraging the first few bags we did because that had been going and there were some deaths in there. But um, after we did the first three bags, and we were able to save most of them. Um, it was still kind of gross though. I mean, when fish die in a bag, it's just gross. And then after the first three bags, then from then on, it was pretty smooth sailing. Um, most of the fish after that were in pretty good shape. Changed the water anyway, just to be sure. Headed home. And of course, as soon as I got past Cheyenne, which is just right at the Wyoming border, there was a massive snowstorm. And so I was in snowstorm. And not only was there a snowstorm, it was dark. And by that time, there was a thick layer of ice across the roads. And I'm in a freaking minivan. And I'm from Los Angeles. Like, I haven't been in Wyoming that long. I hate driving these in these conditions. So I've, it took forever to get home. There were times when I was going 20 miles an hour. I mean, sometimes it was super slow. Other times the snow was not as much and the roads were pretty dry and I could, I could go a little faster. But I finally got home at 4.45 a.m. And then I unloaded the rental vehicle, dropped it off, or started floating the fish and everything, then dropped off the rental vehicle and came and released all the fish. So finally got to bed about 6.30. Well, actually, by the time I got to bed, it was more like 7 uh, this morning and um, slept a couple hours. So that was kind of the journey. Um, a, couple a couple species of fish were shorted. They didn't send me everything I wanted. So the um, Paratilopia gunthri did not come in. The Neolibius ansorgii, which is the uh, African neon tetra, did not come in. Um, the, let's see, what else? Oh, the one I'm really bummed about is the Aphiosemian or Chrome Aphiosemian bivitatums. Those didn't come in either. And that bums me out because that's a fish that I was super, super excited about. And there's one more which I'm seriously like exhausted. My brain is not working really well right now. Maybe it'll come to me, maybe it won't. There's another one that didn't come in. But what we did get is, let me go over the list with you what we did get, and then I'll get to the chat. By the way, for those that might be new, um, if you have a question or a comment for me, then if you just put at Dan's fish and let it populate, then I'll get that. Um, and I'll see that it's for me and I'll respond to it directly. Um, if that's not there, then often people are just chatting among themselves and, um, and I don't know it's for me. So if you have a question or comment directly for me, uh, at Dan's Fish and I'll get to it. So real quick, let me go over the list of fish that came. Then I'll get to the chat a bit and then I'll talk to you about the acclimation process, um, any losses I had here. Um, had, a, had a cool victory. I was really worried about a couple species that were doing really badly. But uh, I'll tell you about how that got turned around, things like that. So um, species first. First one is Aphiosemian australe, which is an amazing killifish. Um, another Aphiosemian species, Calurium, those came in fine. Aplocolichthys macrothalmus, which might not be what the species actually is, but that's what they call it. Those came. Um, the Myers I came, Aplocolic, these are Congo panchaks or Poro panchaks, Myers I came in, which is great. That's a fish that I've been looking for <clears throat> since the 90s. I haven't, I, I saw a picture of it in Shields Atlas. He did this amazing killifish book. 
Um, and ever since then, I've been looking for that fish. So I've got them now. Although I won't really, here's a little digression. It's hard to identify the fish because in the bag, their color's gone. Their fins aren't flared out, you know, so that's what it is on the, on the invoice and on the packing slip is at, is Meyer's eye, but I won't know for a couple of days so I can really identify them what they actually are, but there's, they're awesome fish and I'm excited to have them, whatever they actually are. Um, then I got, um, Aplicolithes spolachin, which is another fish I've been looking for since the nineties. I, I tried to get them once before and the person sent me rice fish and they look similar to rice fish, but not that similar. <laughs> so, um, the Epiplates came in and they're doing great. The Epiplates, and they, they aren't by Fasciatus. They are, in fact, uh, Grammi, for sure. Well, not for sure. Nothing's for sure. Like, they could change the species on me tomorrow. But the Epiplates came in. The Nanocherax latifundius, um, latifasciatus, I mean, those came in, and they're cool. That's a fish I'd never seen before, never heard of before. Um, it's a cool little tetra. And it's almost like a pencil fish, like the African version of a pencil fish, kind of. Um, so that's really cool. The ghost cats came in, or glass cats, depending on what you call them. The pelvic acromus taniatus came in, and the procatopus similis came in and are doing awesome. So that's kind of the list of what we got. That's kind of the, the, a little bit about the journey. Let me get to the chat, see if there's any questions, comments, things like that. And... Um, and uh, yeah, then once I've caught up with that, then I'm going to go into these species in depth and kind of tell you how they're doing and, and uh, how the acclimation went once I got them home. So, all right. Hope that sounds good to everybody. So let's see here. Um, oh, there aren't any questions or comments for at Dance Fish. So that was quick. <laughs> but let me see if, I, if there's stuff here that was for me, but not put to me. I think there probably was. Um, oh, Bob Kaler didn't get a notification, man, man, man. Yeah. The YouTubes, the YouTubes. I don't know. Um, Rod S didn't get his either, man. Andy Gironi is from Wyoming. No way. If you are, where are you from, man? Um, or I assume that's the spelling of the male form of Andy, but, or lady, I could be wrong. Um, but where are you from, Andy? Corey's live stream and, and Candy's modding there. All right. Well, it was bound to happen sooner or later. Um, Bob, you just got a wrench, dude. Hope that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Corey is, yeah, I saw that he's doing that. And I thought about maybe changing my stream, a uh, little side note here, um, changing my stream to another time or something like that. But I, I, I've been doing it this way for a long time now this time. So I'm worried that if I change it, it'll be a problem. And also there's always replays. Like I watched Corey's live stream till I had to go live. Um, and I'll just go catch the rest later on a replay. That's fine, right? That's fine. But the thing I've noticed about Corey, I've been following him since he he was a wee one before he blew up. And um, the thing I've noticed is that 
he's really busy and stuff happens constantly in his life and his business and stuff. And so he has to adjust frequently. So right now he might overlap a bit, but I have a feeling that in a couple months or so, something will happen and he'll have to adjust his time or something. So I'm just going to stay put. And uh, if people can't catch it live, live stream's fine. Um, yeah. But that's right. So Candy's over there. All right. Cool. Bam, sub to you, Wichita. That's awesome. Um, so Bam, I've got fish from Wichita in the past and uh, did a good job shipping and stuff. So I, I think Wichita is a great person to follow. Oh, Starlights. That's the plecos I got. Starlights. What did I say? Star spot or something? <laughs> Priscilla says, I'm here. No, Michael and I are not friends. Well, I saw evidence to the contrary, but uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he got there too late for that, Priscilla. Yeah, he just missed the snarkiness. Oh, well. Oh, well. By the way, my favorite part of Priscilla MK Arts Fish Room, and she's got some really cool fish. Her her fahaka puffer is amazing. But uh, my favorite part is, I think you probably did it, Priscilla, but this poster of L.R. Brett's is like the mad fish scientist. That thing, that was, that was, made me laugh so much. That was great. Um, Priscilla says, poor Dan is quite the haul. Yeah, it was, it was. Still, it's still fun for me though. I mean, I did fear for my life sometimes driving home through an icy snowstorm in the dark last night and it took forever and I'm really tired. But um, man, what else would I be doing? Like, like of all the jobs I can think of that I could be doing, being able to bring in a fish that I've been looking for since the nineties and finally get it. Like if I have to drive through a snowstorm for nine hours or whatever it was to do that, that's fine. Like I, that's, that's fine. <laughs> um, my lie, I didn't want to show your thumbs up. Oh, you flipped off Priscilla. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to show that just because there might be kids here. Um, but I'm laughing with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, outside of this, you know, we can be as crude as we want or whatever. But I do want this to be a place where anyone of any age pretty much could come and, and their parents could feel comfortable letting them be here learning about fish. Um, I started as a young dude and it would have been horrible for me if I found something like this and then my parents were like, ooh, you can't watch that. So, Fish guru. Is, I don't understand that. Okay, something about Crobia. Zanensis? What is Crobia? So Thomas does this to me like every live stream. He posts a question or comment about a fish that I just have never heard of before, at least not the scientific name. And, um, and so I have to look at it. So this is what it is. Uh, check this out. This is the fish that Thomas was uh, talking about, at least according to a quick Google search. So cool. Right on. So I probably know that fish is, is something else. Is that the blue eye? I'd have to look at it a little more, but, um, but that scientific name did not ring a bell. All right. So, okay. I see some, Oh, Bob says she didn't feed you. So Priscilla offered to feed me actually. Priscilla was amazing. 
in Mile High Play because we had a ton of fun at Miles Place too. But Priscilla was like, like I didn't need to fear for anything. She had my back. Like she offered food. She offered all that stuff. But I was, I mean, she's a great host and, and now a great friend in person. So thank you again. But um, she offered, but I was so intent on like getting done and getting on the road as quick as possible that I, I just, I had to get, I, I couldn't take her up on it. But no, Priscilla's like the ultimate host. She's amazing. Um, all right. So here we go. Bam Aquatic says, Dan, will, when will we get to see them? So the fish, I'm, I'm working on a video now. I, I made an unboxing video. Um, I was too exhausted to narrate it. So I just took footage of all the unboxing, showed the fish, all that stuff. Um, and I'll need to go back and, and narrate it later. Also, um, tomorrow, today, so yesterday and well, today really is this morning. Today's been all about the fish. It's been about making sure they're taken care of. And I'll go into that in a little detail here in a sec. Uh, getting them, you know, keeping a close eye on them and all that. So I haven't had time to edit that. But uh, tomorrow, I hope to, like, I haven't even cleared this. Like, look at this. This big old bag of, or stack of boxes here. I haven't even cleared that out yet. All the bags that I, um, <laughs> the fish runner, all empty and scattered around the fish room. I mean, it was, it's a race against time when you're trying to do this. Uh, there's no time to, to rest. You got to get them out as quick as you can, take care of them. Time's of the essence the first couple days. But I think tomorrow I'll be able to take a video of them in the tanks. So then as I show the unboxing, I can show them in the tanks so that you can actually see them because they're hard to see in the box and in the bag. So um, I'm doing that tomorrow in my, my I think that by the end of the day tomorrow I'll have all the footage I need to make the video and then it's probably another day or so to edit it and get it all together. So I think by the end of the week, Bam Aquatics, that um, I'll have the video out and then a little while later I'll do another one when they've colored up because when I do the video tomorrow, there's, I mean, they're still getting used to stuff. They haven't fired up. They're still not, you know, they're they haven't claimed their territories and their habitat yet and all that stuff. So um, you'll get to see them and then I'll do a follow up when they're finally like colored up and acting normal and, and comfortable and we'll be able to see their colors. So that's the plan, bam. Um, Mile High didn't get the notification. Well, that ain't no good. Well, Wednesday, seven o'clock mountain time, unless I've announced that I won't be here because like Halloween or, you know, whatever. Um, it's always when it's going to be. Um, but I set the notification. Um, so I am sorry. <laughs> Craig Hawks, a dance fish. Were the bags labeled? Oh, let's get into this. I imported once and nothing was labeled. No, the bags were not labeled. Um, luckily the way I have this done, I can put, I put a bag in a separate tank. So I'm not worried about mixing the wrong species and then getting hybrids or something, but no, they're not labeled at all. So it's actually a little hard to tell right now, which ones are the Aphiosimian Australe and which ones are the Aphiosimian, uh, is it Caliurum, I guess is how you would say it. I, I always say like Calurum, I would just slur it, but Caliurum, um, cause they aren't colored up. Um, their fins aren't spread out and stuff. And so it's a little difficult to tell, but I know one tank for sure is Australia. The other two, I'm like, which one is which? They're hiding, you know, all that. But no, they're not labeled at all. So 
that being said, the packing slip is. So it tells me these fish are in this box and there's two bags per, per box. When you see the unboxing, you'll see how big these bags are. They're like, I don't know, three feet long and big, like only two fit in a box and they're big boxes. So, but they aren't labeled. So it's a bit of a, uh, I know the fish well enough to know pretty much what they are. But those two aphiosimian species, until they come out and uh, have relaxed a bit, there's two tanks where I'm like, is that Calierm? Not quite sure. So, but no, it's uh, that's a problem with importing for sure. Yep. And that's, that's part of why fish are so mislabeled. Not only that, but the names that they are um, sending them to me for Aplocolictes, a lot of these haven't been Aplocolictes for... I don't know, over a decade, they've been renamed and recategorized and all that scientifically, but the exporters and stuff don't keep up on that. They just, uh, yeah, they, they learned them as one way and that's just how it is. So it's a little confusing sometimes. Wichita Falls, did the Aphiosemus striatum ever breed for you or were they past their prime? Nope. I tried and tried and I'm trying again right now. Um, I just don't think I'm going to get any eggs out of them. I have noticed the male spines start to kind of crook a little bit. So I just think maybe they were too old. So usually, um, so I put them together when I first got them, because often when you do that, you'll get eggs just because of the, the, they've been through a little stress and they go to a fresh environment and that simulates like, oh, we got to spawn, right? That stimulates the spawning. They didn't spawn then. And, um, so I've, I've tried, Ooh, ever since I got them many, many times, never got any eggs. And I bred that species a lot in the past. So I know it's fairly simple to spawn. So I just think he's too old. And I think it's the male. She's like, looks like she's full of eggs, but the male doesn't do anything <laughs> with her. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Devin Peppers, I'm doing a presentation in my school on aquatic plants. Any advice on how to simplify the aquarium for people and make them more interested? Yeah, my aquariums are super, super simple. Um, let's see. I think the main thing, see, it's a fine line because you don't want to turn someone off by talking about something besides fish because what they're excited about is the fish. But what has to be gotten across is that, yeah, you're keeping fish, but what you're really keeping is water. That's the important thing, right? You're keeping an environment. And so I think if you can figure out what the easiest way is for them is for them to keep the water clean in whatever application they're trying to do. Are they doing a planted tank, bare bottom tank, you know, with a sponge filter? There's all these different applications, ways we can do aquariums. It's like, what do they want? Do they want like a pretty display tank? Well, probably that's what most people want. So then... It's just breaking that down. How do you make that as simple as possible? Um, and there's a couple things. Like the tank behind me is pretty simple. Once a week, I scrub down the algae across the front. Every now and then I pull out excess plants or trim some plants down, like every now and then. But besides that, I don't do anything. I don't gravel vac or sand vac. It's got sand in it or anything like that. So it's kind of just helping them, um, yeah, based on what they want to do, making it as simple as possible. The simplest tank in my mind is bare bottom sponge filter. I mean, that's, that's about as easy as it gets, but 
I think it's letting them understand here's what the fish are living in. Here's how we have to keep that clean. And then helping them with the easiest way to do that. So there's many ways to answer that based on the application. So I'm probably not being super helpful, Devin, but they can understand that fish create waste and that waste has to be processed and removed somehow. If they get that concept, I think from there, everything's, everything else can fall into place. So yeah, that, and that's the hurdle. And we start saying nitrate and nitrite and ammonia. And well, first of all, nitrate and nitrite sound very similar. So it's like, that's confusing and all that. But I think that's the concept. Waste is constantly generated in these environments. How do we deal with that? And what's the easiest way that we can do that within the application they're trying to set up? So that's what I would focus on when I talk to someone. TM, right back at you. <laughs> Michael Wilson. The Crobia is a big Akara from Rio Zingu drainage. Cool. Cool. I mean, it was a pretty looking fish. Um, yeah, my, my cichlids I'm not the strongest on, especially when it comes from the uh, new world. Um, fish Guru says, and are impossible to find in the U.S. So, all right. Um, Rio Zingu. Oh, that's tough because Brazil. Yeah, Brazil's hard to export from. Maybe maybe Germany um, or the Czech Republic. Those are sometimes places we can get fish from that we can't get out of Brazil because they're breeding them there. But yeah, good luck if you do do the import. Um, so here's what I would suggest. If someone here, if there's a species like the Crobia um, or something that you're like, man, I've got to import that. I can't get it any other way. I want this fish. Um, there's a couple ways. If you can find a source overseas for them, there's an actual import, which is what I did. So I dealt with fish and wildlife. I dealt with customs. I have the import license. I file the paperwork. It's, it's my butt on the line if something goes wrong, right? There's, there's that. And that's, um, that's something that you could do but the easier thing to do is find a transshipper to help you. So if you Google transshipper, or if you go to the foreign beta sellers on Aquabid and click on one of their betas, they'll have a list of transshippers there. There's more than what they have listed, but that'll give you a starting point. Um, then the transshipper can take care of all that stuff. And that way you don't have to bring in thousands of fish like you do in an import you can bring in your fish as part of the thousands of fish the transshipper is bringing in and they'll bag their fit your fish up for you and send it to you so i would suggest anyone that wants to get their feet wet in this or, or start figuring this out start with using a transshipper because they'll do all the legal stuff for you they'll deal with customs fish and game they have the license you pay them a fee you know they basically act as an an agent, uh, you pay them a fee, they take care of all that and send you the fish. So that might be a way, um, Thomas, or Fish Guru, Guru Aquatics, to um, get some fish into the states that aren't here without you having to uh, go through all the stuff of importing. Yeah. And here's the main hurdle with importing. 
anyone can do it. It's some paperwork and some fees and figuring out logistics. But, you know, you deal with fish and wildlife and customs and you call and you email and you, you figure out what to do. Or, or you have a friend that's done it or you work at a facility that does it and you, you learn, you know. It's, it's mainly the volume. No exporter from a foreign nation is going to send you one box of fish. Um, they're going to send you many thousands of fish at a time. There's, it's, you're just not going to be able to convince an exporter to do it any other way. Now, there are some times when you can buy stuff from someone overseas and they'll ship it to you and they'll kind of smuggle it in. Um, but that's probably not recommended, you know, cause <laughs> for obvious reasons, there's legal reasons for that. Um, but the basic thing is the volume. You have to buy so many fish at once for the exporter to even look at you. Um, that that's the hurdle for, for most people. I think having the facility and the capability to deal with that many fish at once. Um, let's see here. Oh, Devin Peppers. Let me make sure, Devin, before I get this, that I didn't skip anyone. Oh, I did. Hang on. I'll get to that in a sec, Devin. I, my chat skipped on me. Sorry again, guys. My voice is a little rough. I'm exhausted. I I need to rest up or I'm going to get seriously ill, but, and I'm probably mixing my words up even more than usual and misreading stuff even more than usual. (laughs) Um, Potato says, I'm a little jealous of that box stack. Yeah. Oh, let me show you. Well, I'll show this in the unboxing. It was a little scary because the, the insulation this exporter used, this is my first time using this person. The insulation, the styrofoam, it's only like maybe half an inch thick. And it was cold yesterday. It was 20 degrees when I got home yesterday. And so I was super nervous because in the inspection facility and all that, they're just in a big unheated warehouse. And, um, uh, so these boxes, man, I was nervous as soon as I saw that. Usually when I get fish exported or imported, I mean, they're, they're coming these styrofoam line boxes and the styrofoam's a couple inches thick. There's heat packs, all that. Um, not, not the case this time. So that was nerve wracking. Priscilla says, how are the lamp eyes? I might need some of those whenever they're available. The nano fish. Yeah. Um, Meyer's eye is the species probably that I got. I'll know, I'll know in a little while when they color up and I can really see them and observe them. I'm trying not to bother them too much right now. Um, so let me go over the list of the fish and how each species kind of did in the management journey on this side, and then I'll get back to chat. So um, those did great. Of the 400 of them that I got, um, lost a couple. Like they're doing awesome. Now I'm a little nervous because they're a small fish. They have a fairly high metabolism and it's obvious that where they were being held, they didn't get a lot of food. So I need to fatten them up and and I'll do that. I started that today. I gave them their first tentative meal today. They did eat. Um, So um, those are doing well. By the way, none of these fish are going to be available for at least two weeks and often at least a month. I don't sell fish, not just until they come out of quarantine, but I don't sell fish 
until they're eating normal aquarium food, they're out and about, they're acting comfortable, they've adjusted fully to life in my aquariums. When I send you a fish, I want that fish to be not just healthy, but be comfortable in an aquarium, come out so you can see it within a few days of it settling in at your place. Um, I don't want it to come and have this massive adjustment to, to life in an aquarium. So it'll be a little while, a couple weeks to maybe a month before I start selling. Um, but those did great. The Aphiosimian australis, so two species were worrying me a ton. Aphiosimian australi and the Aphiosimian uh, caliurum because very little losses like they they they're they're tough fish but when I put them in the tanks their fins were all clamped up and with killifish when their fins clamp it's a horrible sign and when I after I slept a little bit I got up this morning and their fins were still clamped and I was super worried about it um Later this afternoon, though, several of them started to unclamp their fins. So I think they're going to be okay, or at least the vast majority of them are going to be okay. Bob Kaler, um, let me, I, I skip for super chats usually. Bob Kaler, send me a super chat, 1999. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it very, very much. Can we see the fish? Yes. Um, I don't have any way of showing them to you right now during the live stream but I'm, I'm going to make a video shortly and show them to you. But uh, I'm in a desktop computer, and so I, I, I don't know how to like get the camera around the room because it's attached to my desktop. So um, not this instant, but I'll finish, I'll get that footage tomorrow, hopefully finish editing it and cutting it the next day and get it up. So it'll be up fairly soon. Um, Sorry, I can't do it right now. Like I want to do a walkabout and like show you, but I can't detach this camera and get it around because it's part of my desktop system. Um, so anyway, um, later this afternoon, they started to relax. They started to unclamp. Um, I put a few fruit flies in there right before the live stream. We'll check after we're done here and see if they started eating or not. Um, but probably not. I only put a few in just to test. But um, yeah, I'm really relieved. Often when killifish clamp their fins up, that's it. Like, that's it. And I'll, um, I'll tell you about my medication regime here in a second when I'm done going over the list. Um, so those two made me really nervous, but then they did fine. The what, what was sold to me is Aplicolicthes macrothalmus. I'm not quite sure what it is yet. Um, it's starting to color up a little bit, but those, um, those were one that was doing poorly in the bag. Thank goodness I could change them at Priscilla's. So we lost a few, but the vast majority, there's still how many, let's see here. I got 200 of them. There's still like 180 of them in there that are doing really good. A couple of them are struggling and I hope they'll make it, but um, those are doing well. Um, the um, Aplocolicthes spolachin is doing great. Only lost a couple of them out of 150 of those. The Epiplates are doing great. I don't know if we lost any of those. Uh, Nanocherax, the little, uh, the little, what are they? 
like a pencil fish kind of. They're a little kerosene, a little tetra type thing. Um, maybe lost two. Like they're doing fantastic. And they ate like pigs today. So they're they're awesome. The ghost cats or glass cats, those are tough. They're a really sensitive fish. Um, and they were one that was going down in the bag. So we lost quite a few yesterday before we changed the water. But most of the other ones made it here. There were a few down in the tank, but um, I still have a good group of those. So um, we'll see in a few days if, if the ones that made it, you know, are here for the long haul. That's a really sensitive species. Um, I knew that when I got them. Uh, but my hope was getting them directly from the exporter and then not going through a transshipper and then a wholesaler. And then to me, that I'd have better luck than when I've got them or seen them in the past. Um, and so far, I think we're doing okay. That was one though, where you open the bag and it was like this cloudy mess and really stinky and it was really discouraging, but we do still have a good group of those. Um, time will tell how they do. And, and they're acting normal. They're, they're schooling around, they're swimming around, the ones that are there now acting normal. And so I don't think they've eaten yet. When I feed the first, day or two. It's just a tiny little bit just to see if they're having a feeding reaction to gauge health. I'm not usually trying to put weight on them yet because I don't want them to not eat it and then get an ammonia spike. Um, the pelvic acromis was another one that was really discouraging. The bag was really stinky and cloudy and stuff. And a few of them uh, were deceased when I got to Priscilla's. And it looked like a lot worse than it was because they're a larger fish. And when a couple of those go down, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it, it, it's, it looks a lot worse than it is. But um, I think I lost two more um, since I got home. But the rest, with the exception of one that's struggling, the rest I think are going to do great. So um, I don't know exactly how many I have, but the vast majority of them are doing fine. And then the Procatopus similis, out of 250 of those, I don't think I lost any, or if I did, maybe one. Um, but um, those are doing awesome. So most of them are doing great. So what I did is I get them home. I was like sweating in the van on the way home because I was keeping it super warm in the van so the fish that were in the back of the van would be fine. <laughs> so it wasn't very comfortable for me, but it was good for them. Got them all in here, checked the temperature. Most of them were in the low to mid 70s, which is where I keep my tanks. So I basically took the fish, put them in the tank they were going to be in, but I didn't worry about soaking them in there long to tempt them because they were already really close. So as soon as all the fish were in the tank they were going to go in, I, you know, poured them through a net, put them right into the tank. And then I only treated with two things. One is salt. And I put a cup of salt in a 75 gallon aquarium. Um, it's like a lumpy, chorus, like rock salt, not like a fine salt that's all compact. And uh, that really helps them with their osmotic regulation. And so they aren't struggling to keep their body salty, basically, while they're trying to fight off a disease or just, you know, recover from the stress of shipping and all that. So salt is great. And then the other thing is triple sulfa. And which is an antibiotic. I don't tend to use erythromycin unless there's a specific thing. 
And the reason is, is erythromycin treats gram-positive bacteria, but the vast majority of bacteria in an aquarium that are really detrimental to fish are gram-negative. And triple sulfa will treat gram-negative and some gram-positive. So I use that. Now, here's the downside to that medicine. And the, and the reason why it might not be as good for most people in most circumstances. The downside of that medicine is if you use it, you can't treat with anything else except for malachite green. Malachite green goes well with it, actually makes it more effective, makes it safer for the fish. But you can't put in like Ickex, you can't put in uh, Prazi or Metro General Cure or any of those things, copper, nothing like that. So I think that, you know, the, the trio that a lot of people use is fine in a lot of applications, but I'm worried about fish that have been through a lot of stress that have been, uh, you know, might have missing scales or tears in their fins or anything like that, you know, just a big shipment. And so I'm really worried about gram negative bacteria getting in there and creating an infection. And so I treat with triple sulfa. I'll do that for a few days. And once the fish kind of relax and their stress level's gone down, then I'll do water change and then I'll treat with the general cure to get rid of the parasites. So um, erythromycin I'll use in certain cases. Uh, let me show you guys this real quick. This is a great resource. It's an old website. It's not, you know, very inviting, but the information on here is awesome. Um, and it goes through each antibiotic in e or anti-parasite medicine, each medication, and really, really shows you um, the breakdown of what these are. So, for example, if you click here, then you can look, and it gives you the rundown. This is triple sulfur, and it'll tell you all about that drug. It'll tell you how to use it. It'll tell you what it's, what it, if it's uh, gram-negative, gram-positive antibiotic, all these things. It'll tell you what things you shouldn't put with it because there'll be a conflict of medicine. And there's this big list. So this is um, AmericanAquariumProducts.com. Again, not a pretty website. Obviously, it was built a while ago, but the information on there is super good. So if you're ever having to treat something and you're wondering, is this the medicine I should use? Um, will this you know, react badly with this other medicine and hurt my fish? Um, this is a great website. The, the guy that built that really knows his stuff, worked in the industry and things like that, and uh, studied this stuff in depth. So um, I don't think any of those claims are false. I haven't read his credentials for a while, but I remember when I read them, I was like, oh, okay, I can, I can trust that this is a source that isn't just anecdotal repeating stuff. This is someone who's done research and knows more, you know, what they're talking about. So um, so that's what I do. Salt, triple sulfa, let them, um, get unstressed. At that point, I'm not as worried about antibiotic infections. So I switched to, uh, anti-parasite stuff. So the good news is, is that wild fish are actually a lot cleaner than farmed fish. Now that sounds counterintuitive, right? But it's true. Um, on a fish farm, you have tons of species going through all the time and all that, and you have concentrated fish in, in small habitats, and disease tends to uh, be more prevalent, and there tends to be more kinds of them 
because different fish that would never meet in the wild are getting, you know, either they're meeting or water's being exchanged or whatever, they're introducing their pathogens to each other. So you get this smorgasbord of pathogens um, that you don't get from wild fish. So wild fish, it's less about disease that they're coming in with something and more about managing stress and preventing an infection from taking place. So anyway, that's, that's kind of the regime. Uh, let me get back to the questions and stuff. Um, to the chat here. So I'm, I'm jumping to the at dance fish comments and questions. If you have a question or comment for me, at dance fish, let it populate. I'll see that it's highlighted and, and get right to it. And I'm going to do that now. I'm done gabbing for, for a little bit. Um, so Priscilla, to answer your question, two to four weeks is when they'll be available. Um, and just when they're available, I'll let you know and uh, let me know how many you want and I'll send you some. Uh, Rod S. Dancefish, what are your quarantine procedures? Just went over that. Um, yeah. And the other thing is clean water. I change uh, now that there's more fish in the tanks, about 30% of the water a day. And I don't do that like right now because they're soaking in antibiotics. But in general, that really helps too. Between different treatments, so between the antibiotic and the anti-parasite meds, I'll do a water change. Um, and so I'll do, pro, I'll do general cure for, I'll do it, I'll wait 48 hours, I'll do it again, um, and then I'll change water. So when they're not being medicated, 30% a day, just keeping it clean really helps. And salt's awesome. Bam Aquatics. Yeah, I'm for sure going to want to spread my fins a little further with some killies. Well, cool. Cool, cool. Spread my fins. I like it. Who needs wings when you can have fins? <laughs> All right. Here's another one. Meat Man. Hey, the former pork slinger. But they're both good. It Dan's Fish. Just picked up a pair of Bolivian rams. Cool. Not sure if breeding. Guy got them from said they were. Any tips on breeding? Keep them in quarantine tank or will they breed in a community tank? So um, Bolivian rams are not a difficult species to breed. That being said, I've never done it like in my fish room firsthand. So um, this is all anecdotal. So if anyone here has bred them and can give Meat Man, you know, the straight poop, do that. So Meat Man, know that what I'm saying is anecdotal. Observing other people who have bred them and talking with them and seeing them in their fish rooms and things like that breeding or in stores and things I've worked at, just having them breed in the tank, but not necessarily raising the babies. So in my opinion, they're fairly easy fish. I mean, they bred in stores and stuff I've been at. It's, um, I don't think there's any big tricks to it or anything. It's just keep them healthy, keep the water clean and keep them well fed and, and you'll have babies. I'm pretty sure. Um, community tank or not, it just depends on if you want to keep the babies and raise them. It sounds like you do because you got what is hopefully a breeding pair. So I would do it in a separate tank. Um, in a community tank, the babies will last a little while, but usually the parents won't be able to successfully defend them and get them to enough food in a community tank. So you might have a couple survive, but usually you don't. Like tetras are awesome fish, but when they see a group of babies and they go at them in mass, like 
it's just a bloodbath. Um, so I would breed them in their own tank. In that way, you can make sure that the babies aren't being outcompeted by the other fish in the tank. So you can keep food in front of them a lot. And you know they're not going to get eaten. Um, well, unless the parents turn on them, I, I guess. So that's my thoughts, me, man. But if you keep the tank clean, keep them well fed, I think they'll go for you. And they don't need super high temperatures either. Uh, to breed these guys, you could probably do it in the upper 70s. You could probably do it in the mid 70s. But if you really want to trigger it, what I would do is get them through quarantine, get them well fed and conditioned. If they haven't bred for you, um, try spiking the heat like four degrees. If that doesn't work, then try a large, a large water change and, and lowering it like four degrees and just see if one of those triggers them. But you probably won't have to do that. They'll probably just go for it naturally. Uh, but keep us posted. Hope, hope they do well. Now, again, anyone that's actually bred them and raised them on purpose in their fish room or in their aquarium at home, uh, chime in and tell me, man, if I said anything wrong or, or what your experience has been. Otter Creek Aquatics, I found my panda quarry eggs. Boom. I use your technique and they have hashed out five so far, far. Cool. Got another group of eggs going too. Awesome. I'm glad that's working for you. Um, and I don't know how many, like, was it five out of 300? That's not so good. But if it was five out of, you know, six, then awesome. <laughs> I don't know. But um, glad that the technique got you some results. It's always worked well for me. Candy, welcome. Glad you made it. 54 Punchy. Hey, my, my mods are here. So Corey must be done. <laughs> um, all right. Glad you guys made it over. Devin Peppers, I was trying to explain that waste part. So Devin is um, going to classrooms and talking about aquariums and things and was asking, how do you make aquarium keeping like as simple for someone as possible? So this is kind of a follow-up to, to a discussion we had earlier on that. I was trying to explain the waste part by using plants as my topic, making fish like an extra part because I have a teacher who I think would like a fish tank but is nervous about the work it will take. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there's certain plants that are better at removing waste than others. One reason I can keep a ton of fish in one tank is because of water sprite. You don't have to plant it. You can if you want. You can just let it float. I can't kill the stuff. If it has a decent light on it, and I don't mean like an expensive light. I have like a $40 shop light on it, but it's a two-tube LED. Um, if it gets adequate light, it'll grow very fast. And since it's growing so fast, it's sucking up so much waste that it just helps an aquarium be more stable. It, it makes it a little more forgiving if you feed a little too much or if a fish dies and you don't notice and it rots in there and ammonia is produced. You know, those fish are, those plants are, are sucking that stuff out. So I think plants make aquarium keeping uh, even easier in a lot of applications. Um it's just choose ones that are easy and grow fast. They'll be the best water polishers out there. But yeah, um, so a teacher in a classroom, simple tank. Well, they're going to want it to be clean looking, right? So you probably want some kind of filter in there that can polish water. Um, maybe a little canister that hangs on it or a hang on back or something, but something that can actually polish some mechanical filtration. And then biological could be anything. But I think if those two things are met, um, 
could be as simple as a sponge filter and a box filter. But again, in the classroom, she's going to want it to be, you know, pretty, I would imagine, for her kids and for the parents that come in for parent teacher day and all that. So um, I think a little some kind of power filter of some type to polish and then a sponge or a matten filter, even an under gravel filter, although you get all the mold and gunk in there. That's that's not as easy uh, would be good. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many ways it could go. It's kind of like, what does she like? As long as there's some mechanical for filtering the particles and some biological. I mean, yeah. Well, let us know. Let us know if she goes for it. Also, the fish that she starts with, she might be like, man, I love that discus. It's gorgeous. But like, start her on zebra danios. Start her on white clouds. You know, something that's super hardy so that there's the most probability of success. Um so they don't get, you know, a disaster and get discouraged and quit, which is never fun. 40 in the chat. Cool. 39 now. Ooh, I must've said something wrong. <laughs> um, of the Loriac Peterson, can Kerbensis and Jules live together? No. Um, that being said, I mean, I know you can do almost anything if you have like a big enough tank or all that, but Jules cichlids are nasty mean. Like a one inch Jules cichlid, will keep a four inch African cichlid up in the corner with torn fins beat up. I mean, they are, once they have claimed the territory, once a jewel cichlid settles in and feels comfortable and happy, it doesn't want anything else around it. So I would say no. Now, someone else out there is going to be like, hey, I do it all the time. Great. I'd love to hear that. Like, let us know if that's true. But my experience with jewel cichlids is, they are mean little suckers. That being said, they're gorgeous. If you haven't done it yet, you should, of course, get a pair of jewel cichlids, see them spawn, see them brighten and, and just be gorgeous. But you probably can't keep anything else in the tank with them. So I think that answers that. <laughs> um, cool. Oh, so Otter Creek says it was five out of eight. That's not bad. They aren't throwing very many eggs. Not sure why. Well, they could be young um, or they, a lot of eggs could be getting eaten somehow. So there's lots of, lots of things that could be happening. But five out of eight for trying a new method for the first time, that's not too shabby, man. Glad that worked out for you. Of Gloriac Peterson, thank you for the answer. You're welcome. Um, there is some nuance there, of course, if you have a massive tank and a ton of line of sight blocks and things like that. You could maybe do, do that, but your cribs are going to get destroyed. I think if you do that, um, Bracken says, let's just say I've had jewels with Malawi twice their size and they are bosses. They are aggressive. Yep. And would say they're between a babuna and a peacock. Yeah. I mean, they're, they are extremely aggressive fish. Yep. And it's got, I mean, you have to take each fish for what it is and love it for what it is and appreciate it for what it is and make the setup and the environment conducive to that. Um, so know that, set up an environment for them and, and it'll be fine. But it is a bit of a shame that like I couldn't put a few pairs in this tank behind me because they're so pretty. They're so gorgeous that it'd be nice to have them in a community aquarium. And I'm sure someone's done it and had success, but... You're probably going to have a bloodbath. Yeah. Um, 
Just again, for those that are coming in and maybe don't know this, if you, if you have a question or a comment for me that you want me to respond to, make it at Dan's Fish, let it populate. I'll see it and respond. Or um, if, if that's not working and if, if I've missed a question or comment, post it again. If it doesn't populate, um, maybe one of the mods will let me know and I'll, I'll get to it. But um, I try to avoid like reading all the chat just because then there'll be 30 seconds of dead air while I'm looking at the chat, looking for a comment or question to respond to. And then I find one to respond to it, but I don't want that dead air. I don't want a boring experience here. So to keep it lively for everyone, make it at Dan's Fish, we'll get right to it. Um, three mods in here, man, that's like, that's never happened before. <laughs> it's mod town here. <laughs> cool. Um, thanks mods, by the way, for being willing to help out with that. Appreciate it very, very much. Oh, and I do want to say for those that follow the Get Gills um, Facebook page or Dance Fish Facebook page or any of the places I'm at, I apologize that I haven't been super active. I've just been very busy with this import. And for a couple days, I'm going to be super busy. So like I missed my Friday update at Get Gills where I try to update everyone on the progress with the website um, getgills.com, what we're working on, what we've got done, the new features we've built, all that stuff. I missed that just cause I was doing all the prep for, you know, this trip and making sure the paperwork was in order. And it was my last day to like get in touch with customs and fish and game and all that, uh, pretty much before I had to go down. So sorry if I'm not as responsive as normal, or if it takes me a little longer to get to your emails. Um, but, uh, I will get back to you as, as I can. It's, it just might take me two days instead of one or something like that. So I'm not ignoring you. I'm just, uh, the fish come first. They just always do. I mean, it has to be that way, right? Uh, Justin Brewer, are you going to do an unboxing of the new shipment? Yeah, I did. I recorded it. Um, I just, uh, I want to get some footage tomorrow of them now that they're in the tanks and then I'll put that video together. So I think in two days or so, by the end of the week, I think that video will be out. So yes, of course I did. It might be kind of, I mean, I was tired though. Not just like, oh man, it'd be nice to sleep. I was like physically like exhausted, tired, like brain not functioning right tired. So uh, it might be a funky video, some of it, but yeah, I got some footage. Um, so Dance Fish, your website is now Get Gills. So I had dancefish.com on its own independent Shopify platform store. So it was its own store. Here's what I noticed though, that it's hard for one person with a fairly small store to have enough items in inventory at one time to get a lot of traffic there. You'll get some traffic, but you have to have like a critical mass of inventory in order to get regular high traffic, right? And so I think we're stronger together. So what we did is we built getgills.com where, and I moved my store there. So I still have my store, Dance Fish, but it's on getgills.com. So let me just show you real quick. Um, this won't take long, but let me show you what I'm talking about. So this is getgills.com. If you go to stores, here's all the people that have put a store on there and have items for sale. I'm right here. So if you wanna see my store, you click on that. Here's my stuff, what I am currently selling. Um, anyway, yeah. 
And then if you want to know about my policies and my shipping and all that, you click here and then you can learn all about me. Um, <laughs> my big old policy thing, which is the way it is just because I've been doing this a while and I, I think I finally got one that kind of works for everybody. And then the ratings, um, the feedback from people that have bought from you, things like that. So, um, so that's what I did. So I still have my store. It's just not by itself off in a corner somewhere. Now it's at getgills.com. It's surrounded by other stores. All our inventory's out there together. And so we can get more interest and more traffic there together. So, yep. So Bracken still got a store. It's just a little different than it was. And, and I think that's good for the, well, I think it's good for everyone. Um, it is kind of hard when you're doing a Shopify store and you're paying their monthly fee and all that. And, you know, a fish room this size, I can maybe have 40 fish for sale at a time, 40 different kinds of fish at a time. And that's maybe a lot for a guy that does what I do, but it's not enough to get a lot of people regularly visiting the store. With Get Gills, there's new items being posted all the time. Um, and so it, it kind of keeps the interest going. So, yeah. All right. So Bracken, well, very smart. It's like a collective group so people can find more things while never having to switch pages. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, let me show you this, uh, Bracken, is so you can go to the stores and look that way. Like if you know you like, uh, I don't know, Bob's store, you can go there and see what he's got. If you just go to get gills, the home, this is the landing page. And then these are the different categories and you can be like, um, I don't know, I want I want barbs. So you can see what kinds of barbs or Danios or whatever are available. Um, or, oh wait, Killies? Cool. Oh, those, those are mine. I thought someone else maybe posted some Killies. Um, or if you don't want to do any of that, you can go here and you can just see the latest products that have been listed. And there's several pages of them. Uh, like, I don't know, lots of, lots of stuff. Or you can search things. So you can be like, um, I want to see the lowest price item. What is that? It's a plant. Or no, I want to see the highest price item. Or whatever. Or you can do a search here. So hopefully there's enough flexibility in the site to make it really, really easy to use. But yeah, the idea is that if you have fish for sale, you can go there. You can create a store. It doesn't mean you have to have a business license or anything. You can just sign up and put your items on it. And uh, in aggregate, hopefully we get enough there that people start uh, getting more sales than they would if they did it off in their little corner on their own. So that's that's what that is. Um, Bob Kaler's Fish Hobby. Why isn't my cover photo showing up anymore? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question, Bob. I will get with my technical partner and ask him. Bob's cover photo is gone. I'll figure that out. Now, it could be that it'll be back up in a couple minutes. Um, Jonathan, my, my business partner, might be loading an update or something right now uh, that just hasn't cleared completely or something like that. But um, I'll ask him when we're done here. I'll find out, Bob. I have no idea. Um, yeah, the Pleco. Yeah, I remember it. It's a gorgeous picture. So, all right. 
Hey, Petsonics is here. How's it going? So it's been a little over an hour. I really am tired. Um, so if you have a question or comment that you want to get uh, responded to, post it now, because in a couple minutes, I'm going to start shutting this thing down. Mile High Plecos. Did the Plecos make it okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. So I told you all at the beginning of the live stream that I got my first Plecos um, during this trip, and I did. I got them from Mile High. They're L182s. Is that right, Mile High? Or are they 183s? The Starlights. Um, and they're doing great. So I put them in a tank that has the back wall covered with algae. There's a piece of uh, driftwood that's been in that tank for over a year. Um, and there's some plants and stuff in there. And they're the only fish in there. And they're surrounded by amphipod scuds. So they can chow on the algae. They, as they, they can chow on the wood. They can chow on the amphipods. And I'll feed them up. So I think they'll be really happy in there. Um, I chose not to put them in the big display tank. I thought about it. But A, I didn't know if I would ever see them. But B, the main thing is, is while they're small like this, I wanted to be able to control their feed. So I wanted to be able to kind of feed them more aggressively than I feed the fish in here because I, I want to grow them up. And I know that when they're small, they're going to want more food. So, but they're doing great mile high. Thank you so much for them. By the way, mile high's breeding group of those, um, are stunning, like jet, jet black, like super black chalkboard black. Well, before you get chalk on it, <laughs> um, they're gorgeous. In fact, he's got amazing stuff. Um, I'm not going to go over the list because I don't know if he wants everyone to know exactly what he has, but he has plecos I've never seen before in person. And um, the ones that stood out to me the most were those uh, those starry nights or starlights or star bits or L1, L182s. So um, I was really glad. Thank you so much. They're awesome. And again, I've, I've kept lots of plecos at stores and stuff I've worked at, but I've never had them in my own fish room. Um, I've bred lots of plecos, just not here. Um, and so, yeah, I, hopefully it doesn't turn into like Bob with rainbows, right? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, Priscilla, do you have an art section? No, on get gills. No, but Priscilla, um, there is a spot here, all others. Um, so this is, oh, this stuff's kind of miscategorized. I'll have to talk to yeah, so um, this should probably be under the live plant section. This should probably be under aquarium supplies, and this should probably be under live plants. But people put them where they put them. Um, but anyway, this all others category, Priscilla, is supposed to be the place for that. So the view here is going to be changing soon. We're, we're developing a new landing page. But before we do that, we're finishing building out the shipping to make it more flexible. Um, that's our number one priority. And that's an amazingly complex bit of code to develop and, and create. Um, and so, but that's our priority. Once that's done, then there's a, a payment issue that we'll talk about. And then I think the next thing after that is a new landing page. Basically, what I hope can happen is right now there's like cichlids, right? And technically, okay, let me show you this. 
No, I, I'll just tell you. So it, it's the group that says cichlids. But what I think would be really cool is if, if there's like, as soon as there's five or more Malawi cichlids listed there, then that breaks out and becomes its own category. Uh, something like that. So we're trying to make the user interface, uh, the landing page a little more dynamic without being confusing. Um, but anyway, yeah, I would go in that all others category, uh, Priscilla. And please do post it there. For those that don't know, I'm pretty constantly finding items that other people have listed on Get Gills besides myself and promoting them uh, out there. So I, I promote stuff to the different Facebook groups all the time, to the different social media outlets to try to help people that list their get sales. And we aren't running full steam yet, but we're doing pretty well. Uh, momentum's building. There's new items, new stores on there all the time. Uh, more and more sales all the time. And so it's building. So in a little while, I think we'll have a, a pretty cool, pretty cool website there. Well, I think it's pretty cool now, but a force to be reckoned with pretty soon. 54 Punchy. There is a flower horn native in the native fish selection. Yeah. Yeah. So people kind of put their fish where they will. Um, and that should probably be in the cichlids. Yeah. I think the reason though is, is it a red Texas? So the Texas cichlid is a native fish. Um, oh no, it's the Thai silk. So I don't know. It's probably because when the person created their store and first listed their items, they were new to the system and just didn't realize quite where it went. So um, I'm kind of constantly contacting people and saying, hey, I noticed this is here. Would you like to move it here? You know, things like that. So we'll, we'll get it fixed. But by and large, people put things where it should be. But I think occasionally someone's brand new and doesn't quite know how to work that. Um, so, yeah. Tip it Tom. Have you ever heard of someone using green water to cure ick? Ooh, no. Um, I don't think green water cures ick. It could be that moving a fish into a green water aquarium might put it in an environment where it's more comfortable or has more food or something. And since it's less stressed, it can fight off the ick on its own or something. But I mean, green... Green water can be magical for certain fish. I don't think the green water itself has any property that kills disease. I, I could be wrong. I mean, disclaimer, I am not a pathologist like, or an immunologist or like an ichthyologist or any of that stuff. But um, if someone put a fish that was covered in ick in green water and the fish later didn't have ick, my suspicions are is because somehow that environment was just better for them. And so they were less stressed and their immune system did its job. I mean, fish have ick. If you're buying a fish that has ever been at a transshipper or, or a wholesaler or a pet store, it's got ick. I mean, it's just usually not manifest because the body's immune system is usually able to keep that under control. And by the way, Ick isn't always ick. There are lots of pathogens that manifest as, as white spots on a fish. Um, ick is only one of those. So commonly, if you have white spots on your fish, it is ick. But often, it's not truly ick. It's something else that's irritating the skin there, and, and you're getting the same kind of symptom. So the white spots is just a symptom. 
it's it's often not actually ick though. Um, I don't know why I got into that. Probably because I'm super tired. Anyway, um, let's see here. I think we're gonna shut this down. It's been a while. I'm tired, and um, and we've reached the bottom of the chat. So thanks everybody. Anyone that participated um, in any way, whether you were just lurking and listening, that's great. Uh, chatting, asking questions to my mods. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, Bob for the super chat. Thank you so much. It's always so helpful. Never required, but always appreciated. Um, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this. I'm super excited about this shipment. Like I said, it literally took a year. That's not an exaggeration. It took a year to get those fish here. And so I'm thrilled they're here. Uh, videos will be coming out all about them, the unboxing, um, and then species profiles. I'll do a round the world tour and show them off once they've settled in a bit. Um, and then I'll do species profiles. There's gonna be a lot of material generated from the shipment. So I'm excited to share them with you. Some of these species are awesome. And some of this stuff I've been wanting for decades and was able to finally get. So I'm very excited. Anyway, thank you everybody. Have a great week and I'll see you next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time right here. Good night.